To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. Hey everyone, here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal, investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn all through your brokerage account. Secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate and when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between $3 and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock. I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. I hear you jumped some of my students last night. Afraid the facts mixed up. You calling Mr. Lawrence a liar? No call no one, nothing. What are you here for, old man? Come ask, leave boy alone. What's the matter? The boy can't take care of his own problems? One to one problem, yes. Five to one problem. Too much ask anyone. Is that what's bothering you? The odds? Well, we can fix that. You like matching, Mr. Lawrence? Yes, Sensei! Uh, no more fighting. This is a karate dojo, not a knitting class. You don't come in my dojo and drop a challenge and leave, old man. Now, you get your boy on the matter, you and I will have a major problem. Too much advantage. Your dojo. Name a place. Tournament. <laughs> You've got real nerve, old man. Real nerve. But I think we can accommodate you. Can't we, Mr. Lawrence? Yes, Sensei. Fall in. Ask one more small request. Make it fast. Ask leave boy alone to train. Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com, recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. Happy Wednesday, everybody. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on, can't find me on Twitter. You can find me on all social media. But who gives this shit? It's fucking social media. It shouldn't run your goddamn life. Always off to the races already. But you can find me on social media. Fucking just call me on my phone. Just call me or text me. But you can email me directly. That was a thing back in 1991. You've got mail. Positive sarcasm at outlook.com. You can fucking find me that way. You can. I don't, I don't give a shit. You don't even have to find me. You don't have to talk to me. You don't have to send a fucking homing pigeon. I don't care. If, but if you do, for some reason, in this huge fucking universe, want to get a hold of me, there are ways to contact me. So if you want to do that, you're more than welcome to. I am recorded here 
from the Spare Parts Studios, built with my bare hands. My bare hands! So you can find me there. You can find me there. Uh, what the fuck am I doing today? Oh, yeah, I did have a couple things to go over before we jump to Q&A. I might get interrupted by an important telephone call. Um, I will take the phone call live on air, of course, because that's how we roll here at the Spare Parts Studio. Completely all fucking disheveled. Let me pull up some things here on Van Halen really quick. Eddie Van Halen. Rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. I heard he was a bit of an asshole in his life, but I'll tell you one thing. Assholes can play a mean guitar. Um, so let's see. Let's see. Just save that for later. <clears throat> Going to the... Actually... You know, we'll start with that. Um, Valerie Bertinelli, who was uh, the ex-husband, ex-husband, <laughs> she get a sex change? The ex-wife to Eddie Van Halen. Uh, she had a tribute to him saying that, you know, she'd see him in the next life and things like that, blah, blah, blah. Um, Eddie was, um, Eddie obviously was a bit of a player. He was, uh, had a big head on his shoulders. And obviously there was a lot of conflict between David, him and David Lee Roth. But, you know, rock stars do what rock stars do. So let me just see here. Let me make sure I'm recording. I'm getting used to this new, um, hold on. All right, that looks pretty good. Getting used to the new OBS. They got a new, they added a new button to the options for start recording or start streaming. And it's, it's screwing me up. You add one too many buttons the next thing the whole fucking thing doesn't work. But my brother was a big influence. Actually, you know what? My parents, my sister, my brother, they were all big influences on me when it came to listening to music. When I started, obviously, listening to music, it was, I listened to my, I heard my parents listen. They were listening to Motown. They were listening to Elvis. I really didn't give a, the two things my parents loved the most, which I liked the least. One was the Beatles. My mom was a huge Beatles fan. And I didn't give a shit about the Beatles at all. And to be honest with you, I really still don't give a shit about the Beatles at all. Uh, I don't. Maybe I don't know why. I mean, I know that Revolver and uh, some of their later stuff was really big. And when they finally separated from the from their uh, preliminary recording companies, they were able to start making the music that they wanted. They kind of introduced punk. Okay, great. My dad hated the Beatles. He blamed them for, I don't know, he, my dad's old school. So he, he, you know, blamed them for everything. But he liked Elvis. I didn't like Elvis. I really did. I didn't care about, oh, but here's a boom fucking itching in my jock strap. I didn't care about Elvis at anything. He sang the blues, which was great. Whoopty fucking do. Um, but I didn't like his music. He did introduce me to a song called uh, My Way, which was done by Sinatra, blah, blah, blah. That was a great song. And Sinatra did a great job of uh, singing it, and Elvis did a great job of singing it. But those were two artists that I didn't care about at all. Oddly enough, my parents, one loved the Beatles, hated Elvis, one loved Elvis, Elvis, and hated the Beatles. But I didn't like either of them. But the other stuff they listened to, like... You know, the Shy Lights and the Motown music and the Aretha Franklins and all that other stuff I was into and then eventually got into, like, a little bit more. Like, I mentioned to my mother the other day, like, I like, I you know, I really just discovered ELO. And she's like, I love ELO. You know, um, I mean, I, 
it's like I should say, you know, mom, I'm really into musicals. Oh my god! But the truth is, I don't give a shit about musicals at all. You will never drag me to see Cats any day of the week. Uh, I don't worry. I appreciate them for the form that they come in, but I don't give a fuck about them. You'll never see me watching The King and I. But as far as like music goes, yes, my parents did have a big influence on me. My mom and my dad both listened to oldies type of shit. Some of it I got into. Sinatra, I was a fan of. The 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 Deans and the uh, Darrens, all that stuff. Yes, totally. So they got me started on the roots of everything. Now, it was my brother who really started to insert some influence on me. Like, he introduced me to Boston. He introduced me to Zeppelin. So he got me into the big, the first big three were Led Zeppelin. You know, when he introduced me to the song uh, Black Dog, which was on Zoso, I think it was, or, or number four. So that's when I first learned about Zeppelin. And he was driving like a Volkswagen Jetta of Wolfsburg edition back then. That was the shit. All my kids, everybody in high school drove a Volkswagen Jetta. And if you're dating a girl who drives a Volkswagen Jetta, you need to fucking run for your life because that bitch is crazy. The other thing was, so it was Led Zeppelin, Zoso, that album. And then after that, I dived into it a little bit more. Then it was Boston, for, uh, the song Long Time with that, with that intro called Foreplay, which was probably one of the greatest intros of all time. Probably up there with Eddie Van Halen's uh, intro that he did called Eruption. Then also on top of that, he introduced me to ACDC. Uh, and I was starting to learn about, uh, starting to understand music around, like, say, between five and eight years old. So around the late 80s, early 90s is when I started to understand music in general and what my likes and dislikes weren't, were and weren't. Mm. So, and my sister, my sister and I back then were not really, I don't know, we didn't click. We were just different people. But eventually we did kind of, I did kind of take some of the stuff that she was listening to and kind of incorporate it into things I liked, like, for example, Huey Lewis in the News and shit like that. Um, but my brother was the one who got me into rock music for general, and Led Zeppelin was one, ACDC was another. ACDC was, like, Thunderstruck and Back in Black and Hell's Bells especially, definitely Hell's Bells. And then on top of that is when I started to learn about Van Halen. And Van Halen, obviously, you listen to those three, Van Halen's eventually going to enter the conversation. As far as which Van Halen's, it was... I th I didn't understand Van Halen until 1993, 1994, is when... um It was already when David Lee Roth had left the band. It was when What's-His-Face had come in there, Sammy Hagar, and they started doing some other type of shit. Uh, especially it was for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, which is, you know, is the acronym is FUCK. So that one I was when I really started to understand from at least from the Sammy Hagar perspective of Van Halen. I liked Van Halen a lot. So that's where I kind of laid the the roots for my late 80s type of, you know, the 80s and the 70s type of rock music. And then I didn't really get a chance to dive into more uh classic rock type shit. I wasn't into like uh, Leonard Skinner or anything like that. I didn't like that Southern rock stuff. It just, it was, it felt very formulaic, repetitive, low IQ, slow. I just felt like I was watching a NASCAR event. I was bored to death with that Southern rock, you know, 38 special type of shit. Just hold on loosely and don't let go. 
Uh, so I didn't care about any of that stuff. It didn't, and it was played over and over and over again on our fucking. You know what's funny it was I, I thought it was like only like New England radio stations, like Northern New England radio stations. We played the same shit over and over again. Just hold on, loose slow ride, take it easy, man. Doom, do 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 do. Animals aren't gonna find on the real. You got a thing. Here I go again on my own. And digging in the yard, I found some bones. It was the same shit over and over and over again. And it's like, you know what? And then I heard AAF, WAAF, which was a, uh, a fucking radio station down in Boston. And then I was like, oh man, you know, Godsmack. And I was like, I bet you, as soon as I leave the New England area, like I'm, they're gonna play all kinds of different music and. And it's gonna be it's gonna be different every time. There's gonna be a bunch of different songs, a bunch of b- different bands that I've never heard. And it's like, oh, cool. So one night I was driving to New York City. Uh, I was going to see a Yankee game, or wow, I was trying to get into New York City to see them play in a bar or whatever. So anyway, I'm heading there, and it's like, okay, well now I'm in range of New York channels. So I start playing whatever. And it was back when Lady Gaga came out with Bad Romance, ah, block, 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 you know, and that fucking shit. So and then that song was on. So they that 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 song was popular, and Jay Z's New York State of Mind. And obviously, since the Yankees were in the World Series against the Philadelphia Phillies, that those two songs were prominent. But that's all. But you know what? I was like, oh, it's gonna be different. I'm gonna be listening to New York radio stations where they have access to more licensing. Nope, nope, nope. Same shit. Same fucking thing, only even more repetitive. Every 10 minutes in New York, blah, 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 on repeat. And then all of a sudden, blah, ah, 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 choking on chicken, blah, 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 blah. This fucking song again. It was over and over and over the same shit. And in case you didn't notice, from Manchester, New Hampshire to New York City is four hours depending on traffic. And, oh, gee, is there traffic between Manchester and New York? You bet your fuck it is. I ran into some traffic on one road. I don't even know where the fuck I was. I got off this road, which had a giant traffic jam, got off in some town like Milford, Connecticut, where Dan Patrick fucking does his show, found another highway, nobody was on it, and somehow made it to got made it to fucking New York in four something hours after hearing bad romance. New York! 82 times. So it's like, oh, okay, never mind. It's the same shit over and over and over again. So then I was like, okay, well, let me reach out across the pond because obviously European people are smarter than Americans. Us cheeseburger Taco Bell sucking fucking Americans. Uh, Would you like a side of COVID with your Taco Bell? Yes, please. Wear a mask. So I obviously started listening to some British XFM channel and tried to get an idea of what they listen to. And I was like, you know, I was like, okay, let me try some of their music and see. I'm like, oh, they got some good tunes over there. But there was this one song, you know, you didn't have to take me off. <laughs> some Smith depressing shit. I'm like, oh, wait, never mind. I remember what, what caused music to die was fucking depressing music. Like, there was like the Smiths and Morrissey. I don't even know if that's British music, but it was just terrible. And it was just sad, like... And wish he would, you know, it was just music that was so beta um, that, I mean, skinny, no muscle, 
uh, no quad strength was in. That was the look, like pathetic. You had to look like you had no fucking spine. Basically a human octopus. You had no fucking bones in your body. So that music, I was like, all right, let me try and listen to some of this stuff, some of the stuff they listened to. And they had some good stuff. Like they had some interesting stuff. But the same thing over and over and over. You did cut me off every four fucking hours. Same shit every time. There was no so there's it, it, it dawned on me at that point that radio was fucking dead. Radio was completely dead. There was no, it was all replay, the same shit. There was, it was just annoying. I'm like, well, let me go find some, that was back when like, um, uh, I, I, I used to work for this fucking healthcare company. I hated them so much. Still hate them actually. Uh, that I was able to install Google Chrome on my desktop and I was able to download some of their extensions. And they used to have like these radio station extensions. And I would try to find like other stations around the world and, iHeartRadio, they banned that, so I had to find some other shit. And I was like, okay, well, I'm, the British station's boring. Let me try this one. It was like, like, it was like a Russian rock station. And they would, all they would play, all this Russian radio station would play is fucking Ramstein. That's it. That's all they play. That's, that's it. So a Russian radio station playing German, uh, German rock, German metal. But it was, that was cool. But the thing is, is where am I going with this? All this shit was, it was just repeat on repeat on repeat. And really at this point, I was starting to dawn on me back in the late 2000s that music is not really getting any better. All the shit that comes out now is fucking terrible. Okay. It, it's, it's not, I mean, the song WAP is not saying anything promising for the future of music. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Now, don't get me wrong, like rock music, like metal there's a lot of good metal that's coming out. There's a lot of diverse metal. People are getting better with their vocal ranges. Some of the older groups are still running hard. And the musician the musicianship is talented. Very talented. They're understanding detuning. They're taking what Metallica did with the uh Anger Saint Anger album and they're really tightening it up and making a more a clearer sound with it. Whereas that like you're gonna go back in time. And you're really going to appreciate that St. Anger album as being a prototype for the music that's coming out now. And believe me, I listened to that freaking album. Like, that song, St. Anger, is the shit. I love that song. And the song, Frantic. I mean, Metallica really stepped out of their comfort zone and just fucking went uh, Cro-Magnon on everything. Granted, everybody complained about Lars's, guitar, uh, Lars's drums, where it's like, dunk, 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 dunk. But it was... It was a... a a doorway. Metallica always, what was cool about Metallica is they always tried something new. Like, yeah, they were that 80s uh, metal band, kind of whiplashy, kind of death metal, kind of this, that, like, you know, whiplash! They were, they were fast. And then they had some songs which would still knock out windows, like, uh, uh, not Ride the, well, Ride the Lightning, uh, Battery, uh, Fight Fire with Fire, like some crazy fucking songs. And then they had this one of the ultimate metal band, uh, metal albums of uh, the late '80s, and Justice for All. And then they switched it up, so they kind of they cleared up the sound in the beginning, from the beginning to towards the late late '80s. Then they switched up their entire drum set. They slowed everything down. They got a big deal producer in Bob Rock, and then they switched it up. And then they had this very different sound where people thought they sold out. Where in tune, they really just fine tuned uh, their music. Like if you listen to Chevelle's 
first album, which is called Point Number One, and then you listen to Chevelle's Wonder What's Next, completely different albums. And here's the fact. Point Number One, good album, but you could tell it's raw. Raw. But if you do Chevelle's Wonder What's Next, it's still brutal, aggressive, angry, but it's just cleaner. That's And that's it. So they all that Metallica did with that album was just clean up their sound and maybe I have to admit though maybe they could have uh, kept the double bass drum in there that's the one thing they took away that's the the significant difference between anything that Metallica did in the 80s and the the uh, their 90s music the double bass drum the double bass drum and the speed of the record and it just it that was the difference and then they continued on. They kind of didn't do anything between the, the Black Album and then they did Load and Reload, which seemed kind of mainstreamy, but had a, it was what kind of what Godsmack went in the route of before Godsmack went super mainstream, which Metallica would never fucking do. Never. Even though I didn't really like their last album all that much, uh, they don't do mainstream. Metallica isn't mainstream. Metallica is heavy metal. They've always been heavy metal, speed metal, dark metal fucking don't give a fuck no boundaries they don't care they never sold out they just want to be fast they want to play faster they want to play harder and they want to sell out huge arenas perfect um and they've always kept their promises so don't get me wrong they've done some repeat sequels like the unforgiven three or whatever but they were all good songs they were all very good songs they didn't cheap it out uh the I have so I have to admit I was a little disappointed when I heard first heard like you know ride the lightning and then it compared it to the black album it's like oh shit there was there's there's some drawbacks in not having the double bass drum it's not as aggressive but then you listen to some of the songs like don't tread on me and struggle within and some and it's like oh shit there was there's some it's pretty badass but then with Load and Reload, they just tried something different. They tried to play like a like a bluesy uh, songs, which some of them are pretty dark. Like the uh, the Outlaw Torn is the last song on Metallica's Load on the uh, the Load album, and it's one of the best songs I ever heard because it's very it's haunting, it's dark, it, it's reverberating, it just it sticks in your brain. It's very and it's a long song. Same thing with Bleeding Me. The, these songs kind of haunt you. And the lyrics are haunting as well. Like the song Ronnie is a haunting song. Outlaw Torn's a haunting song. Bleeding Me is a haunting song. And then they have other songs. In there. Like The House That Jack Built is an, is an amazing song. Load is an excellent, excellent album. And then they kind of just tried to do it again with Fuel, with, uh, with Reload. Reload was kind of like, I don't remember a lot of what was on Reload. But Load was really on point. And then it's like, okay, after after Reload, they're like, okay, let's try something different. So they went and they kind of, they did some, the San Francisco Symphony, and they did, they did a couple things. They always tried something different. The Symphony thing was brilliant. But then they went, I know I was talking about Van Halen, but now I switched over to Metallica. It's like, okay, the roots. And at this time, by the time Load came out, I had already drifted off away from the Van Halen stuff because they went with Gary Sharon from fucking Extreme. Uh, I was already l listening to Nine Inch Nails, the Deftones, Corn, Limp Biscuit. I was listening to all that new metal shit. Didn't really learn about anything about all that stuff. 
uh, all about the new metal, like as far as like Slipknot yet. I wasn't into them yet. And Static X, same thing, System of a Down. I wasn't there yet. I mean, Metallica went into, uh, they started doing, when, by the time St. Anger came out, I was like, finally, something different. Something different than what I've been hearing. Something finally. Now, granted, I didn't like every song, but I liked how they just stripped it down and tore the fucking shit to pieces. And I loved it. And I still respect that album because it was a really significant attempt to go back to something they never even did before. Like, this is nothing. It's something they'd never done. They never tried. St. Anger was an album they've never attempted before. Never. Not in my opinion. And then they cleaned it up and they did, you know, Death Magnetic and a couple and their later albums, but they went back to some heavier roots and definitely went back into their 80s roots, which was super cool. With Van Halen though, it was like one way or another. So it was Van it was there was David Lee Roth and then there was Sammy Hagar, two completely different uh avenues of like David Lee Roth was party and Sammy Hagar was party but with a dash of love you know why can't this be love um and then there was standing on top of the world you know glory and purpose and uh judgment and there was there was some morals to their songs you know uh right now hey so tomorrow that that shit it was something behind sammy hagar was trying to sing for a future where David Lee Roth was like, hey, let's just fucking party, man. Wow. It was just balls out. And it was fucking party music. And then going back to discover that when I finally, you know, was making a, had a job where I could afford albums, the first one I bought, the first CD I bought was 1984. That was the first one I bought. Now, you know what's funny? I was like, I went back and looked and I'm like, there's only eight fucking songs in this. And people were talking shit about the six song LP that, uh, that Nine Inch Nails put out in 1991, Broken. It's like, there's only six songs in here. Fucking one of the biggest albums of all time was by Van Halen, and it only had eight songs on it. I'm like, this is bullshit. I'm like, I just got off listening to uh, Guns N' Roses' uh, uh, what is it, Appetite for Destruction, which is like 82 years long. It's got like 15 fucking songs, and this Van Halen shit's got eight of them. Eight. That's it. But, I mean, to be perfectly honest, they're all very good songs. And I was like, okay, fine. But I was going back to my roots, and I really enjoyed going back to my roots to see where Van Halen came from, uh, some of their older stuff. Like the the song "Mean Street" is one of their it's one of their best songs because it's like, ooh, the it's the beginning. It's aggressive. It's kind of different from their from when you first when you got into like 1984 and some of the the early 80s stuff that Van Halen that David Lee Roth was doing. It was just like, might as well jump. Okay, why? Where are we jumping to? But then they had like, I'll wait. They had some stuff, but David Lee Roth really just wanted to fucking party. He really just wanted to do like, everybody wants some. And then, you know, hot for teacher and stuff. He really just wanted to party out. But don't get me wrong. Van Halen was metal. Van Halen was metal because it was fucking fast. It was an amazing guitar. There was a ton of drums. Like, they couldn't emphasize the drums enough. I mean, when you first listen to Hot for Teacher, you just hear... Then all of a sudden, it's like... Then all of a sudden... It's like, what the fuck is going on? It's insanity. 
it was just a absolute shit show of music music musical genius absolute musical genius that they were pulling off and to hear that it was like these guys just want to fucking party on stage pure insane metal that put you in a good mood and then after that they do like ah they do they this was back well 1984 was like when da- uh not david lee roth uh, Eddie Van Halen wanted to start using synthesizer because it was the 80s and synth wave was starting to become a thing. It was, I mean, obviously 1983, 1985 is when synth really hit the top because then you had like uh, new, what the fuck is it? New something like that. New order was starting to come in. How does it feel? Hey, like you do when you have hand upon me. Gonna rape your dog. And it was very flatline sociopathic you can beat me with a wrench um cheat on me and spit on me it was just fucking low low uh, uh um low energy dance hall music very synthesized and Eddie Van Halen was picking up on that and wanted to try something different whereas David Lee Roth is like dude shut the fuck up and play guitar and eventually it just came to like there were two different personalities uh David Lee Roth was becoming sort of uh, the front man of he was the front man of the band and he was incredibly energetic but eddie had his own ego and then eventually just came to a head and they said fuck it and david lee roth either i think he got thrown out of the band so but that party that party mentality they had man they were full they were a force they were a force for sure i mean they eventually reconciled kind of towards the end and David Lee Roth is still in excellent condition, still doing all kinds of stuff, traveling all over the world. He's still got a, a, a head full of personality. But when they first premiered, I mean, they were a different band. They were loud. They were obnoxious. They were Motley Crue, but with talent. And that album, when they did Mean Street, it was called Fatal Final Warning or whatever, and they really had, they really were letting you know that they meant business, that they were out for for blood. They were gonna they were gonna be a legit band. They were gonna fucking party hard, but they were gonna play hard and they were gonna be disciplined in the way they performed. And they absolutely did it. And it's an absolute now I'm starting to understand that some of the big heads in rock music are starting to disappear on us. And it's like, oh, these are the guys like that when they die, their last words could be, You're welcome. Really? Like when the um drummer for Rush passed away. Uh, Eddie Van Halen passing away. These guys, when they literally, on their deathbed, they could say to the world, you're fucking welcome, and then close their eyes forever. Because we we understand what they did was something that can't be duplicated. Like Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks was, regardless of what you, I don't know what you think of her, or just as a lead singer of a band, she her voice is can only really be duplicated by oddly enough oddly enough Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus has a, a gravelly voice in in her normal tone, but it's it's a, it's a real uh it's very impressive. First of all, her vocal Stevie Nicks is impress a verbal uh, her her voice is something you don't something you can't you can duplicate it, but it's like very like oh that's Stevie Nicks. Absolutely. Um, and there, it's impressive. It's like when she dies, it's like, I was fucking Stevie Nicks. Peace out. So that's um, 
it's something like it's disappointing. Like you're never gonna hear, like Van Halen's gonna go. Think about it. Van Halen, or Van Halen, excuse me, is gonna go away. They're never gonna. It's you're never gonna hear them again. Well, you're gonna hear them, but it's just gonna be like on the radio or on your CD or on your on on your vinyl. You're not gonna replace. I mean, it's one thing if David Lee Roth were to pass away or Stanley Hagar were to pass away or something, but it's Eddie Van Halen. The guy did eruption. The guy introduced finger tapping on the guitar. He introduced that. He was one of the fastest guitar players in the world at the time. He was one of the best guitar players in the world at the time. I mean, just to put out that much energy in the 70s and 80s when you had to tour your ass off to get recognition, and he did it. And now he's gone. And there's never going to be another Van Halen. There's never going to be um, another Fleetwood Mac. There's never going to be another Rush. And I'm not even really a fan of Rush. But there's not going to be those bands. They're going to be gone. And how are we going to remember them? How are we going to remember the people in them? How are we going to appreciate the amount of the the intensity and the the truth and the time that they came out and everything about them? Like Eddie Van Halen, that for to I, to understand that Eddie Van Halen, not Eddie Van Halen, but just Van Halen in general, for them to be a party band, but be just as heavy as Ozzy Osbourne, or to be uh, to go on like think about it, you realize like Van, Halen, how fucking big that band is. They could go up. That's a band that can go on stage and blow off another band, like be like just go in there and blow them right off the stage. Like they had that. Much energy. And to do that night in and night out, nothing short of impressive. So Valerie Bertinelli, uh, Bertinelli, who, let's see, first of all, number first, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, just right up front, Eddie Van Halen, he died of cancer. He had a long battle with throat cancer. He was 65 years old. He's, it, it was, we kind of knew this was coming. You know, it wasn't COVID related. Um, but he was, his ex-wife was Valerie Bertinelli. Bertinelli. Um, Saluting him as the best father I could ever ask for. That was his son. Um, 40 years ago, my life changed forever. When I met you, Bertinelli posted Tuesday on social media along with a sweet family photo of herself and baby Wolfgang. You gave me one, one true light in my life, our son Wolfgang. Through all of our challenging treatments for lung cancer, you kept your gorgeous spirit and that impish grin. I'm so grateful. Wolfie and I will, will be, were able to hold you in your last moments. I will see you again in our next life, my love. And uh, that was from Valerie Bertinelli. And um, yeah. So Eddie Van Halen, um, I salute you. And you were definitely one of the, um, even though you weren't the first band to, for me to be introduced to, uh, you were one of the first albums that I went at, that I went and sought out. And to rediscover you again and again and again as one of the greatest bands of all time. And to, ha- and to literally be like, there's Van Halen, and then there's everybody else. Like, every 80s metal band, like every 80s hair metal band, including Def Leppard, wishes they were Van Halen. Because ed- that, that band was so full of talent, from the bassist to the drummer to the singers, to the guitarist, full of talent, full of energy, and full of top 
100, top 50, top 20, top 5 hits. Good ones, uh, uh, soft ones, strong ones, fast ones, light ones, dark ones, meaningful ones, party ones. It didn't matter. It was fucking Van Halen and there was everybody else. Because they could go out there and whoa and just rock your face off. And they could do it in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. I mean, there was, I mean, even, even let's be honest, even Aerosmith. There was Aerosmith. And then there was Van Halen. Aerosmith is one of those bands that, in a lot of ways, is underrated, especially for their 70s music. Like Toys in the Attic and stuff. But when it came to which band was heavier, both bands had party songs. They were party bands. Okay? But who was heavier? Aerosmith or Van Halen? The answer is Van Halen. Because Aerosmith was a hard rock band a rock band, a rock and roll band. Van Halen was metal. At times, hard hard rock, but that was a metal band. It was just because they were so part, they were such partying type, they really did concrete themselves as heavy. Like, Hot for Teacher is not a hard rock song. That's a metal song. Mean Streets is a metal song. What you do is you tape these songs and you resto mod them. And, like, for example, Led Zeppelin. You take some of Led Zeppelin's songs. Led Zeppelin was a hard rock band, if you think originally. But when you update them, or you take, like, Godsmack takes one of their songs and updates it, that was a metal band. That's called classic metal. They were a metal band. Van Halen was a metal band. There'll never be another band like them. And it sucks that he's gone. We knew it was coming, though. And I hope that you all go out and just Find a vinyl of them and understand how much fun. Appreciating fun. Just having a good time. Not needing a message to your music per se. Unless you want to listen to the Hagar stuff. Which is cool. Because Hagar was a great front man. Um, and played very good guitar too. But understanding that Van Halen was about having fun at a 10. Having fun at a 10. At the maximum allowable level. That was Van Halen. Having fun at maximum. So we're at 35 minutes. Uh, I guess what did we just cover? We covered that. We pretty much covered that every radio station plays the same shit over and over again. Metallica were pioneers for uh, diversifying metal. And there's Van Halen and there's everybody else. Great. What a great way to segment into Q&A. So let's get right after it. If you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. So get right after it, please. Jesus Christ. Who the fuck knows what's going to happen after November? Uh, so let's get right to Q&A, and then we're going to close up shop. Okay, good. How can I get my job back after I got fired for beating up my girlfriend's husband at work? I am a personal trainer in my tw early 20s. I have been hooking up with a woman almost 40 for the past few months, two or three times a week. Her husband found out about us. Yesterday, he called the gym where I work and, I, and also called my mother and told her I was sleeping with his wife. My mom was furious. Then he came after me at the gym. I told him to calm down, but he took a swing at me, and we fought. I knocked him out cold. He was out cold for about five minutes on the floor. The manager at the gym fired me for fighting. I think it was wrong of the manager to do that, as I was only defending myself. Now I'm wondering how to get my job back. I talked to my lady friend, and she told me her husband is 
home in bed with a couple of broken ribs and a headache. He couldn't go to work today. How can I get my job back? Um, well, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. I don't think you're going to get your job back, dude. You've, I get it that you, okay, nowadays, any lie, anything that can cause liability within a workplace, first of all, you were, you were sleeping with a, another man's wife, okay? Now, am I going to scold you for that? No, I'm not, I'm definitely not going to do that. Um, however, I would simply say, if he was to find out, don't be surprised if he wants to come to your place of employment and want to fucking kill you. So, you may, you may have incited this. So, I understand where he's mad and wants to beat the shit out of you. So, you kind of brought it on yourself. Um, as far as you getting arrested, uh, I don't think you can get, you could, could you get arrested? I guess, but he walked into your place of work. Should you get arrested for that? No, you obviously were defending yourself. You told him to calm down. I'll, uh, and there's one thing. However, can the job rightly, rightfully fire you? Yeah, they could. They definitely could because maybe it's in their policy. No fighting, no incite, no violence, whatever. So maybe you should have taken a different approach. Maybe. Obviously, should he be arrested? Well, he could be arrested, obviously. For, for uh, well, yes, he could. He could, easily, he could easily be arrested for domestic disturbance, for, uh, what's the best word I'm looking for? Disorderly conduct. Walking into a workplace and creating a scene and throwing a punch at you, yes, he could absolutely be charged. Absolutely. You, uh, I don't know if you can be charged, but... You can definitely be terminated from your job. And that's what happened. And I think that's the end of that. And maybe you should just, well, that's it. I don't know what else to tell you, but look, you brought it on yourself. You, however he found out, I don't know how he found out. I guess, well, let's let's look here. Um, okay. To, uh, two or three times a week, his husband, her husband found out about us. Okay. So obviously there was irresponsibility on you and hers part. I'm just going to play the ABCs here. Here's the fact. If you guys were schmushing, and he was not supposed to know, which obviously he wasn't, then you guys should have better done a better job of closing the gap. But you got irresponsible, he found out about it, and you paid the price. Physically, you didn't, but uh, occupationally, you did. You have to accept the consequences of your actions, and you started a chain, of re and you started a chain, and the reaction ended up at your workplace. You didn't get arrested. Great. But you did get fired. I guess... Cut your losses, dude. You're, you know, that's all I can tell you. Um, was he right to react the way he did? I'm not going to get mad at him. I'm not going to get mad at him. I'm sure there's plenty of things that he could blame himself for. Maybe not being there enough. Maybe being lackadaisical in, in his intimate life. Many things. In there, and he's in his 40s. I get it. This shit happens. I understand this scenario. The... And, and yeah, the, everyone's to blame. There is, what is the saying at the end of Romeo and Juliet? All are punished. She's embarrassed for, be, for being a cheat. She's a cheater. You're unemployed. And he's got broken ribs. Nobody wins in this scenario. So 
I don't have a solution for you, but I do have a resolution as far as, well, here we are. That's what happened. You're going to have to get used to it. Go work at a restaurant if you can. How can I make things better after informing an acquaintance that her daughter's name is an insult in my native language? Huh? Three weeks ago, I went to visit my friend Alice during my visit. Okay. I went to visit my friend Alice, and during my visit, Mary, a friend of Alice, came unexpectedly over. Mary and I started a conversation, and during that conversation, Mary asked me what my cultural ethnic background was, and I explained that I was Ethiopian. Mary seemed really happy to hear that it was confirmed what she believed I was. We talked about how she spent time in Ethiopia for some outreach program when she was younger and how much of an impact the family, culture, and traditions had on her. She then told me that the locals named her Yemi Yemeki because that means beloved one and that she loved the name so much that she has named her newborn daughter it. I asked her if she was serious. She told me she was and well, Yima Yemeki, correct spelling... That's Ethiopian. And the closest English spelling is Yemi Yemeki does not mean beloved one in, in Americ. It actually means uncomfortable, inconvenient, imbecile, depending upon how you use it. So I told her the true meaning. I told her the true meaning. Mary is now very angry with me and refuses to accept that she named her child an unpleasant, offensive name. Mary left angry and Alice is now upset with me for hurting Mary's feelings as she feels I shouldn't have told her. I do, I do feel bad as she seemed genuinely hurt by it, and I don't know what to do or how to fix Mary's feelings. How do I fix this? Well, okay. I... All right, well, okay. Obviously, the newborn. Here's the thing. When you're around newborns and the, and the mother, you have to be very careful. They are incredibly sensitive. They have a new child in the world. There's a lot riding on this little kiddo. Um, it could be their ticket to retirement. I don't know. Either way, there's a there's a lot. You have to tiptoe around it, around a, a mother with her newborn. There's a lot of sensitivity and things that she's going through. And obviously, she's very proud of her little kiddo just for, you know, making it out with, you know, with five, you know, with ten fingers and ten toes. And she named it because it felt a lot to her. And imagine taking all this time to figure out a name. And the next thing you know, you give them that name. And you think it's beloved one. And the next thing you know, you know, that you actually named your child retard. And you're being that distraught. And you're the one who, you're the messenger. But you kind of delivered a message that didn't need to be delivered. So you didn't have to do it. You could have discussed it with, um... You could have discussed it with Alice and see what Alice had to say. But you didn't have to bring it up. Because remember, even though in Ethiopia it means imbecile, in the United States it means yemi yemeki. That's what it means here. So you just have to remember, this is what... She's taking a bad thing and turning it into a good thing. I mean... I get it. I understand what you're saying. You're just being honest. This was not the place. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. But you just learned a valuable lesson. You should absolutely apologize. You'd be like, listen, it wasn't my place to bring it up. I could have discussed it with Alice before talking to you about it. And just offer a heartfelt apology 
you didn't you it you you shouldn't have brought it up but don't like in like in all apologies when it goes too far don't press the issue just be like listen you know you you apologize profusely once you offer this you send a letter and then you leave it alone you do not offer a second apology unless they are looking for one and they contact you you don't go over you don't go above and beyond unless there's you just don't do it because then you're just getting uh uh, uh what do you call it Oppre- not oppressive you're overbearing you're overwhelming them and they're already mad at you and it doesn't uh it doesn't help it only makes things worse so you do it once heartfelt and honestly 100% and then you drop it and you don't bring it up again and if she doesn't talk to you anymore all right fine her and stupid can kind of go on their way and that's all you can do but then you just got to leave it be but you didn't need to bring it up you could have discussed it with Alice first you know maybe filter your thoughts first not with me my thoughts go right on the internet but her in this case you kind of could you could have kind of maybe sort of sort of could have what a let it slide so that's what my thoughts are on that. Uh, Want to keep going? Yeah, let's keep going. What time is it? Mm, 4.20. Let's keep banging them out. How can I get my employer to refer to me as Lord? I was hoping that you could help me with a question I have regarding the use of honorifics in workplace documentation. I have recently acquired a new honorific and my employers are refusing to use it on the documents that I have requested it to be used on. I have legal documents that show that my title is a fully legal one and can be used on official government documents up to and including my passport. Is there anything I can do to get my employers to use it? Specifically, I have a doctorate and I am also legally a lord, meaning that I should therefore legally be entitled to either go by lord last name or doctor last name. My employer has already referred to me as Lord last name in several documents as well as Dr. last name and others, but they are now refusing to use either of them in the doc- in any documents and on display board that displays pictures of members of staff and their names underneath for visitors to familiarize themselves with. My passport actually also says, actually also has my name as Lord first name and Lord last name, which irks me that it can be used on important legal documentation, yet my employer refuses to acknowledge it. Okay. Uh, I hate to break it to you, but anybody can be a lord. Not everybody can be a doctor. You have to understand, to be a lord, you have to buy a one square foot by one square foot piece of property in Scotland. That's it. They have a fucking website for that. And for, you know, I don't know, 500 bucks, you can be a lord. That means nothing. You own a small patch of grass in Scotland, and that means dog shit. That means absolutely nothing. To be an actual doctor, not the ones I complain about that don't know what the fuck they're talking about that just hand out Ritalin to kids like it's fucking trick-or-treating. To be an actual real doctor, either way, either way you go, you have to spend between like six and 12 years in college and put up with all that shit and dig up cadavers and go through tons of books and tons of studying and intern and do this and do that. That takes years. To be a lord takes five minutes and a credit card. Okay? So, I I mean, fucking, what do you want to call him? I, I, I could be referred to as the count. I can go buy enough property or something like that and make myself very rich, make myself seemingly rich and important. And I could be the count of positive sarcasm. And you'd have to call me count 
fucking so-and-so. I'm Count J of positive sarcasm. Call me Count. I, it's not going to work. I, I think you're making yourself more important than you actually are. Now, if you are an actual doctor, then you're a doctor. Great. But if you keep pushing this bullshit narrative that you should be called Lord, we'll start calling you unemployed because your employer will fire your ass. So knock it the fuck off. Let's do one more and then we're done. Okay. And my dog's barking. Great. What should I do if my dad follows through on, a th on his threat to call the FBI because my son wore a headband. My family and I have been under strict quarantine for the last couple of weeks in order to see my wife's parents, who were at high risk. During this quarantine, we sent lots of pictures to extend my family we couldn't see. To extend a family we couldn't see. In response to one particular text, my father responded by saying, great pictures, except for the one where your son is in drag. Huh? In the picture in question, my son had a headband on for which a three-year-old was completely harmless and had nothing to do with drag. For a long time, my father had closed-minded views and was made some bigoted comments, but never against my family. This caused a fight, which my father suggested that my wife get ki gets a kick out of sexualizing our son, which is completely ridiculous. This is a part of a larger pattern with him. In the past, he's inappropriately suggested that my mother have a sexual relationship with a minor, and he certainly seems like he had some mental health issues, especially when it comes to sex. More recently, my father reached out to me directly and asked if I would join him in person for something after our quarantine. I declined as his behavior was unacceptable, and I would not be seeing him until we resolved it. We, he went off again, suggesting that he wasn't the one who took sexual pictures. I said there are no sexual pictures. He threatened me by suggesting the FBI get involved to determine that, at which point I said I would no longer communicate with him anymore. That's really no case here. There's really no case here, but my dad can sometimes be very manipulative, and I'm worried that he will get the authorities involved. While I have no concerns about what they'd find, I keep thinking it would be a good practice for me to get a lawyer to ensure I get ahead of this so it doesn't impact my wife, me or my wife's sons, my wife's work. So here's the question. How do I find a lawyer that would specialize in something like this, and what steps should I take if he starts causing problems? I don't think you need to do anything. Uh, I don't think you need to do anything. And as far as your dad goes, I, I, don't, ugh. I, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't understand what you mean. Like, what what is what is a headband? I don't understand what you mean by a headband. What's a headband? I don't maybe is is this, am I missing something now? Like you were okay, you're referring to your son as your son. Okay, so your son is your son is your son. So we're not talking about identity politics here, which is okay, good. That's one less thing for me to to discuss. Awesome. Uh where your son is in drag, he's wearing a headband. Okay, what does that mean? He's in fucking West Side Story? I don't I don't know what that means. I have no idea what you're talking about. Is he snapping his fingers and, and joining the Jets? I don't know what you're talking about. His son is in drag. He's wearing a headband. He, my son had a headband on. Okay. Uh, oh, because do chicks wear headbands? Yeah, chicks wear headbands. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those things. Um, he's fucking what? He's How old is he? He's three years old. I don't know. I guess we'll see. He's sexualizing our son. Well, okay, look. I'm, I'm going to just go with... I'm going to go with, I'm not going to make a big deal out of this. I'm not going to make a big deal out of this because it seems like your dad makes a big deal out of everything. If you're, you're, you're calling him your son, he's your son, you're taking care of him, you're giving him things to do, you're, you know, you're treating him like the man you want him to be or the man he should be, 
okay, fine. Well, then we'll just leave it at that. I Look, even though he's making a big deal out of it, you shouldn't. Leave it alone. Let it rest. Don't talk to him until he fucking calms down because, you know, that's let him be the man he wants to be. Your dad has earned the right to be who he wants to be. Doesn't mean he has the right to communicate to you about how to raise your son. It's one of those things. If there are other underlying things that you're doing that could be detrimental to the child, we can discuss it. But as far as that, it's just like, uh, I'm not going to think anything more of it at this time. Okay. If you're forcing me to play with dolls or something like that. Okay, fine. Let's have a conversation. But besides that, I'm just going to leave it alone. Um, the headband thing is the headband thing. Is it a pink headband? Is it just a headband in general? I don't know. We'd have to have more clarification. To me, this seems like an incomplete, and uh, I would need more information. We are at 53 minutes. Uh, I'm going to close up shop for today. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening, watching, subscribing, and just questions, comments, concerns, all the latest views to my Positive Sarcasm podcast channel. I am looking at starting possibly one or two more channels. I'm still pondering it. I'm working on a lot of things right now. Um, I had a great time uh, doing some drone shots. I took Mavic Mini down to the seacoast and tested his speed uh, with the convertible against the ocean and the wind, and he did pretty good. He didn't do as great as Pelican, but I can tell you right now, his communication, like his signal with the car while we were driving was much, much better. Much, much better. So uh, I'll do a couple more tests but the view was amazing. So obviously practice makes perfect and maybe down the road you'll get to see that footage. But until then, you can find me on all social media, well, some social media. You can email me directly. You can go to my website. Those all questions or comments can be directed there. Positive sarcasm at outlook.com for anything. If you want to be a guest in the podcast, listen to the podcast, view the podcast from here without being in frame, you can email me directly. Just put subject podcast iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podcast Addict, CastBox, PodBay, anywhere, iHeartRadio, anywhere where podcasts are available, you can download, subscribe, stream, share, even on my website too, download or stream or just play or whatever. Until then, uh, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. I will talk to you all next week, recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation.
Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.